Thanks for tuning in to Big Money in the 805. I'm Michael Anderson, and today we have the president of California State University Channel Islands on the program. That's Dr. Erica Beck. I'm very excited for our interview. We hope to make the next 30 minutes a very good investment of your time. Thanks for joining us. Today's show is brought to you by GEICO Local Office, car and homeowner's insurance for the 805. You can save up to 15%. Call 805-487-7847. GEICO Local Office. It's time for Big Money in the 805 with your host, Michael Anderson, bringing you a feature interview, a local nonprofit spotlight, and some financial wisdom. Get local and relevant information for the 805. For show notes and more information, go to maranatha.com. And now, here's your host, Michael Anderson. really excited to have president of CSU Channel Islands, Dr. Erica Beck, on the program today. Dr. Beck has been the president of California State University Channel Islands since August of 2016. It's a real treat to have her on the program. She's very involved in the community. She sits on the Ventura P20 Council, also the Santa Barbara Zoo Board, and also the directors of Dignity Health Ventura County Community. She's on the board of directors there. Also honorary board member with the Gold Coast Veterans Foundation. So very involved in the community, graduating from University of California, San Diego, and with a degree in psychology, and also an MA from San Diego State and a PhD in experimental psychology from University of California, San Diego. Dr. Beck, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for the invitation. Glad to be here. Well, I want to go through a number of things. It's a real treat to have you on the program, as I mentioned. And the first thing I want to talk about is the idea that uh, it's kind of reimagined how university is in education, higher education is being shifted a little bit. And I guess that word reimagine is a buzzword. But can you explain more about this and what this is? Sure. Well, so, you know, I probably don't have to tell you that universities on the whole are pretty traditional places based on 300 years um, of history. But the conditions that have shaped higher education are really changing now. And we have a great opportunity to reimagine higher education for a new student population and a new era. The workplace is changing at such a rapid pace. We need to prepare our students to thrive in the context of the ambiguity that they will enter not just as they leave our doors, but throughout their career. And so we're really thinking about new ways of educating our students with immersive experiences, but also in serving a student population that we are so dedicated to that is largely the first in their family to attend college. And we really welcome a very rich multicultural campus uh, community here at CI. I'm excited to hear that. I was the first in my family to attend college and graduate from a four-year. And it is important to make it accessible in some ways, uh, and, and I want to ask you about that more. I think that's good. And I like what you said as well about the changing economy with jobs being different next year and beyond than they were over the last two and three decades. But let's talk about that. What sort of changes are you seeing in the future or do you anticipate in the workplace and how can the university meet some of those needs to address them? Well, I mean, I think it's clear that the workforce in the, is in the midst of dramatic change, automation sort of at every level, and that will continue to accelerate, I think. And, you know, we see examples of that everywhere. Um, Amazon, driverless cars, which keep me up a little bit at night. The work is moving into different places and it is difficult on the one hand to 
to imagine what those jobs will be 10 years from now, just because the rate of change is so rapid. But what we know for sure is that those jobs will require uniquely human qualities, the things that cannot be automated. So critical thinking, problem solving, communication, the ability to examine really complex problems from uh, multiple perspectives and teaching our students how to avoid siloed and one-dimensional thinking. And we're very committed to that here on campus, giving our students the opportunity to solve real-world problems in real time. And I know you're on the Ventura P20 Council. Many of our listeners might not be familiar with what that is. Can you give them a background and how you're involved in that group? Yeah, so the Ventura County P20 Council is really a council of educators, community members, and business professionals from across our region. They're really committed to the idea of thinking about um, education and the relationship between education and our community from a regional perspective. And so we gather to really facilitate lines of communication all the way from um, preschool all the way through graduate school and into the workplace along with our elected officials um, to think about how do we maximize the limited resources that we have within the county for maximum effect and how do we build collaborations and partnerships to serve the very unique needs of our county. I've interviewed a number of other folks that are on that Ventura P20 Council and they've been on this program as well. One of the themes that has come up a number of times is the idea of partnerships, and sometimes that's public-private partnerships. But we've had um, Greg Gillespie on this program, as well as Stan Mantooth has been a featured guest, and Assemblymember Jackie Irwin, and Bruce Stensley, and Henry DeBroff, all at different episodes. But one of the things that came up I thought very fascinating was the idea that there's an engineering program that was developed at CSU Channel Islands, and that kind of you know, came through Assemblymember Jackie Irwin and her engineering background, and then and then also seeing that there's a need in the community. But I wanted to ask you about those types of partnerships. How do those form, or what are some examples you've seen be successful in the community and with the college? Well, I think Mechatronics Engineering is a great example of that, and Assemblymember Irwin really was incredibly instrumental in making that happen. So Mechatronics Engineering is a very timely topic. It's the science of intelligent machines. We see examples of that happening uh, all across the country, the world, but certainly here locally. And there was a very clear need from the business community and those uh, conversations being facilitated by this group and by our open relationship with our business and industry partners to find local engineers particularly because we know that individuals who grow up in our county and our community and are committed to our community are more likely to stay here throughout their career, and they make very, very attractive future employers and employees. And so um, Mechatronics came about because of the facilitation of those conversations. We just welcomed our first cohort of 24 uh, just a few short weeks ago, and I can tell you that in my conversation with our business and industry partners, with Naval Base Ventura County, and those students, they're already waiting for them to graduate, and they just started. That's great to hear. Let's talk about the student populations and the demographics of, of the students that are on campus taking classes at Cal State Channel Islands. Tell us about the student populations you serve. 
what does that look like for Cal State Channel Islands? Well, so I think it's important to note we are the second fastest growing public master's granting university in the country. So we are growing at an incredibly fast rate. We have more than 7,000 students on our campus. So there's tremendous demand and interest in an education here at Cal State Channel Islands. Um, the majority of our students are women. The majority of our students, 60%, are the first in their family to obtain a college degree. So I often like to say that we're having a greater impact than even just our individual students who are transformed by their experiences here. We're really changing family trees, and we're very proud of that. Overwhelmingly, our students are from the local region. They will stay in the local region. We are a designated Hispanic-serving institution, and about half of our students are Latina uh, and Latino. And one of the things I like to say about our students, um, they inspire me every day. They are really civically-minded because our students are from this community. They are incredibly committed to the community, incredibly committed to serving the needs of our regional community. They dedicate incredible hours of community service to all of our agencies. Just on Saturday, I was with a a big group of our students at the Boys and Girls Club where they were volunteering their Saturday to really beautify that facility. But there are examples of that uh, all over the place. They're just very committed to um, Ventura County. It does strike me when you mentioned that there's a 60% of the population is the first to attend college and get a four-year degree and, and work on that. There must be some special needs in terms of uh, helping those students that maybe don't have the cultural background from their family to support them while they're trying to go through this process or they don't have that experience to support them. Can you speak to that a little bit? What what needs or in what ways are you helping those uh, that 60 percent of the population get through the rigor of higher education? Yeah, so there are many things that a college student must master in order to become successful and to walk across that stage to receive a diploma that have absolutely nothing to do with academic aptitude. Um, Universities are really complex, sort of going back to our earlier uh, conversation about tradition. And so a student uh, needs to know how to navigate the business of a university. I often call that the hidden curriculum. Things like, where do I register for courses? How do I register for courses? How do I follow a course catalog and build a sequence of four years of courses so that I can ensure I have a timely graduation? And if you've read a college catalog lately, you know, not the most intuitive document that you've ever read. And, you know, bursar's office, what is a bursar's office where I go to pay my bills? And so what we're really working on is how do we challenge long-held assumptions about how we organize a university and about how we facilitate students you know, progression through the university in such a way that they don't have to guess at how to become successful outside of the academic coursework so that we are able to really illuminate that for them, provide them with really clear pathways, make sure that they have the information that they need, because if you are the first in your family to go to college, you might just not understand those aspects of the university. And we never want to be responsible for a student not being successful because the university was too complex. So we're really working to illuminate those pathways. As I mentioned, I was the first in my family to go through getting a four-year degree. And there are a lot of times where you come to a point and you don't know what you're supposed to be doing next or it's confusing and you just want to stop. And if there's not someone there to help direct you the direction to go or access to find that information, it can just fall flat. So it warms my heart to hear that you're addressing that. And it sounds like you're doing a great job with 
putting putting that in place to have um, these students have a, a means to get the information they need to continue and walk across that stage. I'm very excited about that. What what type of impact do you see or can you foresee having on the community at large from these students that maybe might not have otherwise gone to college? Now they are going to college and they're finishing. How does that impact the greater community at large? It's such a great question. I think people often think about the facts well established that college-educated individuals enjoy a higher earning potential than individuals who do not hold a college degree. And while that is true, a college degree represents far more than just enhanced earning potential. We know that college-educated individuals are more likely to vote, to volunteer, to become engaged members of their uh, community. They have better health care outcomes. I mean, the, the truth is is that the entire community benefits from the individual learning of every student who walks across that stage, um, and we all have a great benefit as a result of that. And as far as, I guess, to that same end, you know, how, how does the university, you know, Cal State, Channel Islands, how do they help to solve community problems, you know, as far as being involved with some of that discussion? Is, is there some examples or maybe something you can share to that end? Sure. I mean, it's really part and parcel to our mission. We're very committed to um, problem-based, inquiry-based education in partnership with our business and industry, nonprofit, municipalities, and there are many examples. I'll give you the most recent that's actually a fun one. So we were just designated as a B Campus USA. We are the first university in California to become a B Campus USA, and that's really important. Um, You may be aware that Bs are dying at an alarming rate. Uh, around the globe, the country, and in the state of California. And bees pollinate about 70 of the 100 crop species that feed 90% of the world. Um, Our agricultural partners know this well. And so our uh, faculty member, Dr. Ruben Alarcon, in biology and a number of our students have built an apiary here on campus. We have committed to uh, growing and sustaining native plants and pollinator-friendly plants. And we are working very hard with several of our local ag partners to increase and sustain that bee population so that um, we will be able to feed our state and our community and really help um, our agricultural partners. And for folks that want to be more involved with the community, so some people listening will say, this is great and I've, I've been out there to see the campus, but I really might not have been as involved or been a part of some events that are going on there. One event I know you have coming up is is a foundation event, and this raises money to do the good work that you guys are doing, but it's the CSU Channel Islands Foundation event on October 13th. It's a dinner and a concert. Can you give our listeners a background of what that is and maybe why they might want to come to that? Yeah, so really it's sort of our signature event that really supports our students and especially given that our students, so many of them are first in their families to attend uh, a four-year institution. The community support is really incredible in helping to foster that for our students. And we're very excited that this year uh, the concert will be at the Commemorative Air Force Museum at the Camarillo Airport. Really a stunning backdrop. And we are featuring Chris Bodie, jazz legend and 
absolutely incredible in person. So we will have many, many supporters of the university out there to celebrate all of our accomplishments, but particularly our students. And we certainly hope that anyone who's interested will come and join us and they can get more details um, on our website. And before we close, uh, just a couple more questions. What, what's the future of CSU Channel Islands? I know you guys are the fastest growing as far as that, but where, where do you intend to grow to? What are some of the numbers and, and what are some of the future plans that you would hope to grow toward? Yeah, so um, our future, uh, our master plan delineates that the university should be 20,000 students, uh, headcount, and 15,000 full-time equivalent students, and that is the original designation uh, of the university. How quickly that will happen really depends on um, funding uh, and on increased enrollment funding from the state, but we are also doing our part to expand a whole variety of different ways. Um, We've engaged in a number of public-private partnerships, some of which we've talked about today, but really other pieces to expand the physical infrastructure of the campus, um, including the second expansion of our East Campus residential community, a 32-acre development. That's a public-private partnership that will generate revenue to support the academic core of the university. And the future is incredibly bright for us. There's tremendous interest uh, in an education at CI, and we're really delighted about that, and we'll continue our good work with our community members to strengthen our region and to foster economic vitality. And I know a big buzzword nowadays is this idea of career exploration or career pathways. Where might a community member go to learn more about some of the offerings that you guys have at Channel Islands? Are there any programs that um, maybe that jump out that people should know about that are that are not well known about? Sure. Well, so all of the information can be found on our website. We offer a whole variety of academic programs. All of our programs are very interdisciplinary in nature. So sort of going back to the idea of how do we solve these really complex problems that our society collectively is facing and looking at things from multiple perspectives. Um, Our fastest degree, growing degree programs are in STEM, science, technology, um, engineering, mathematics. We have extraordinarily uh, impactful programs there. We really have a stellar art program here on campus, a fine art and performing art program, and our students are very, very successful post-graduation and engaged in a whole variety of, of areas. Our teacher preparation program, of course, really vital and part of our partnership with our K-12 partners in how we elevate the education of our entire community, all the way from preschool, all the way through to graduate school. But any information that people might be interested in, they can obtain on our website. Talking with president of California State University Channel Islands, Dr. Erica Beck. Before we close, is there anything else you'd like to add? Oh, I'm just really glad to be here. I appreciate the interest. It's really an incredible community. The community has so embraced the university as such a critical part of the community. There's a tremendous amount of pride on both sides with the faculty, the staff, the students, and the community. And I'm just so very much appreciative of all of this support. And we promise to do even bigger and better things moving forward. Our featured guest today is President Erica Beck from California State University Channel Islands. You could get more information online. Go to csuci.edu. And also we mentioned the VCP20. Their website is vcp20.org. Dr. Beck, thank you for being on the program today. Thank you for having me.
Now it's time for the Nonprofit Spotlight with your host, Michael Anderson, on Big Money in the 805. Nonprofit Spotlight. Here's a local group we want you to know about. Nonprofit Spotlight. Today's Spotlight is brought to you by Era Energy, powered by safety, innovation, and community. We help keep California moving forward. And today I'm excited to have John Lowry and Donna Ingram in the studio. We're talking about the Seaside Highland Games. It's going on October 13th and 14th here in Ventura County at the fairgrounds. John and Donna, thanks for joining us today. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> so the Seaside Games has been going on for a while, and I know there's a lot of excitement about this, but there what is. can you tell someone that has never been there before? Someone that's not that's heard of it, but not been there to participate or see it. What would you say to that that individual? Well, Donna, but all I would say is just come and have a good time. Uh, it's 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 centered on Scottish culture, but it's not for Scots. It's for everyone. It's for everyone. Everyone in Ventura County would have a wonderful time coming out to the fairgrounds on our weekend. So uh, I would just say plan to come out, um, eat some food, watch some entertainment, uh, listen to some music. Uh, browse the, the shopping area a little bit and bring the kids because there's a good children's glen. Watch some dancing. Donna yes. will oversee that. <laughs> and uh, you'll just have a wonderful time. A little bit of Scotland right on our very own coast. <laughs> I love it. So this is there's traditional and Celtic rock bands on there's four stages that are going to be there. Yes. I think that's exciting. Um, so I know there's athletics, dance, fiddles, bagpipes, and drums. Listen, lots of bagpipes. <laughs> lots and lots of bagpipes. Also, a whiskey tasting and a Scottish evening uh, taking place Friday evening. Mm -hmm. So that'll be going on. Um, how long has the Seaside ba Games been happening? This and is the 16th year. 16th year. So we're, we're not exactly newbies, but, y you know, we, we're, we're, we're still relatively young. Um, a lot of Scottish festivals have been going on for 50, 60, 100 years. So um, we're kind of, we're kind of in, new in the neighborhood. <laughs> Yeah, 16 years is a long time. I know it's that's, a long time. It's, it's been going on for a while there, and it's grown quite a bit yes. as well. So this is, uh, they call it the premier Scottish festival on the Pacific coast. For any listeners, you can get more information at seaside-games.com. That's seaside-games.com. Tell us more about this event. What, what are some of the things that, you know, I guess, what are some of the things that you're excited about? You've been there you know, a lot, but all the, also for newbies coming in. Um, sure. What are some What are some things that we can all look forward to? Well, I particularly enjoyed the Scottish country dancing. We're over in the McBride building, which, if you go to the fair, is the photography building, and we'll have, have you'll have the opportunity to dance a jig or a reel, learn a little bit of uh, Scottish dancing, and then uh, this year we're going to have uh, a lot of amateur musicians that will be joining us. And that's, it's really exciting for me because it's sort of a new group of people that will be coming to the games. So uh, we hope that people will stop in and see what's going on with, the, with that. Oh, and listen, um, if you go far enough back in the, in the fairgrounds, um, the athletes, the, the big giant athletes will, will amaze you. They will thrill you, I'll tell you. They're throwing impossibly heavy objects. Um, your your uh, engineer today uh, knows full well about uh, throwing <laughs> cabers and things like that. And the caber is the thing that looks like a telephone pole. And the guys grab that thing and lift it up, and they toss it in, a, in an arc that 
makes it point directly away from them uh, when it's completed. And it's, it's just an awesome sight. It's an awesome sight. But they're also throwing uh, other heavy objects. Um, there's big metal pieces uh, up in the 50, 60 pound range. Uh, they throw them for height and they throw them for distance. And then there's a Scottish hammer, which is similar to a, a, an Olympic hammer, but not quite. And then um, they throw a sheaf, which is a, a, like a small bale of hay with a pitchfork over a gigantically high bar. And that's, that's exciting to see because <laughs> it, it's a new event that we brought to the West Coast. We'd seen it in Scotland, and we'd seen it on the, on the East Coast. And uh, it's, it's taken over and gone very well out here. So it, th that would be great. But you're going to, to get to the athletes, you're going to pass those four stages that we talked about, and you're going to be hearing wonderful, wonderful music. I mean, professional bands that uh, will just keep you entertained the whole time. You're passing by the food court. And if you've been to the fair, you know that the food court is right in the middle of the fairgrounds, and it's just packed with, with all kinds of neat food. Well, ours is packed with Scottish food. <laughs> really special things like like meat pies and like bangers. Bangers are are a sausage, and it's like a sausage sandwich, or you can have them with bangers and mash. And the ever popular haggis. And, and haggis. And Wonderful. haggis. We can't do without the haggis. <laughs> you gotta have haggis. <laughs> We're talking with John and Donna regarding the Seaside Highland Games happening October 13th and 14th. There's a little something for everyone there with the athletics being mentioned and the bands playing and also the dancing and there's storytelling for children. There's a classic British car display. Yes. There's a lot going on. It's October 13th and 14th at the Ventura County Fairgrounds. Check out seaside-games.com to learn more. John and Donna, thank you so much for your time today. Thank our you. Our pleasure. Thank you. Well, that does it for our show today. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out on iTunes. Search Big Money in the 805 and other podcast platforms. Also, all previous shows are on marinantha.com. That's M-A-R-A-N-A-N-T-H-A.com. If you need help with your financial matters, you contact me online. That's marinantha.com, M-A-R-A-N-A-N-T-H-A.com. Have a great week and join us again next time. Hi, this is Michael Anderson, Certified Financial Planner. I've dedicated the past 12 years to researching different investment ideas. There are no guarantees when investing, but with a little help, you can find the right approach. I have built AllocationLink.com specifically for you. AllocationLink.com is investment management made simple, smart, and low cost. AllocationLink.com can have your account set up in less than 10 minutes. Please visit AllocationLink.com to learn more. Or you can leave me a message at 805-665-3767. Do you ever question if your investments are right for you? Do you own any annuities, retirement accounts, or have other money you want help with? Have you ever wondered what your advisor is making or how they get paid? Get a free second opinion. Talk with Michael Anderson, Certified Financial Planner. Call his answering service today, 805-665-3767. Leave a message and get a call back immediately, 805-665-3767.